And welcome everybody. Um, at the moment, there's only one person on the restream chat, so I'm going to talk to all you people who are listening to this on the podcast. And uh, welcome <coughs> for tuning into our podcast. You are so, we're very pleased to be talking to you and thank you for listening to us. A couple of weeks ago, you'll remember that I suggested that we needed a name for you. Uh, like uh, Rutherford and Fry on Radio 4, they call their listeners the curios, because um, it's the curious cases of Rutherford and, and, and sort of, uh, I suggested, get in touch with me and suggest a name. And um, I have to tell you that I've had uh, a sum total of zero suggestions. So, uh, I, so the, and, and we, apparently a tanky is a very extreme communist who believes in sort of world domination so we can't have that that and, and sort of a, a, a thinker or a socialist well they're, they're taken aren't they so, so i'm that, going to that's copy why the... that's why i said it john because i was saying the labor right will refer to us as tankies well, they, 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 yes they already think we are but <laughs> there's no, no reason to play into their hands um so i'm going to be calling you the politicos for, for hiya politicos it's so good to speak to you uh, from now and, and, and until you choose yourself for a better name and, and, and sort of so welcome to the politicos who are beginning to arrive uh, hiya Jacqueline it's great to speak to you to, to, to see you Mark hello and uh, anyway there we go somebody else who's just call him Toto that's the easiest way Toto the thing is, is that in order to get all the things on the screen, I have to have them so small that I can't read the names. It's just, uh, there you go. Um, and welcome to the show. Welcome to my three guests. Uh, just say hello, Paul Daly. Hello. Paul, Paul's the boss. He's just great, is Paul. We all think he's fantastic. And, and, and then welcome, Jane. Hello. Jane's so clever and she knows so much. It terrifies me. And, and then Neil. Hiya. Hi, hi everyone. How are you? Neil is our political extremist. He's going to a demonstration <laughs> next week. Rage is not war. I mean, how more extreme can you get than that? Sort of a complete idealist. It's great to have you on the program. And um, let's go to the first thing. <laughs> Because you're our idealist, Neil, our thinker, our standard up for the principles of good versus evil, show a moment of the week. Well, uh, today is the 21st of March, um, which is the UN Day of uh, Anti-Racism. And if you've got my activist calendar for this year, it's already in there for you. Um, and as part of that over the weekend, there was uh, major demonstrations in... Uh, in London, Glasgow, and uh, Cardiff, as well as other other cities around the world, uh, to mark the UN Day of Anti-Racism, uh, which comes at a really good time as well, because of course, with the uh, the Rwanda policy over here and uh, the constant uh, dog whistle politics to try and uh, get the government off the hook by uh, by scapegoating refugees, etc., is needed more than ever. And whilst those demonstrations are taking place. Uh, the uh, fascist uh, organisation uh, Patriotic Alternative uh, decided to target Hull for the 
uh, I think fourth time I think they've been there, um, and you know in order to spread their messages of hate, division, and and anger um, at people that aren't responsible for any of the problems that they face. But anyway, um, so uh, a group of uh, of groups uh, came together uh, to uh, have a counter protest against them, where they occupied. Um, the Queen Victoria statue square in uh, in Hull, uh, which the far right were going to use as their stage, but we occupied it uh, throughout, putting them to the other side of the uh, square. And the leader of the patriotic alternative, who looks very much like a young Hitler, um, uh, was forced to speak from a bench. And even when he was still on the bench, he, he was no taller than me when I was stood on the floor. Uh, but the thing that I loved about it was a photograph taken by a friend of mine uh, called Jason, where he speak, where uh, the leader of Patriots Conservative, whatever his bloody name is, uh, was speaking on uh, on this bench with the guy on the far side of the bench holding up a flag saying anti Antifa. Uh, in other words, no, they're not they're not intelligent enough to write pro uh, pro fascist, but that's what that means. Um, with uh, I think it was four people in the middle sat eating fish and chips. So just like, well, we don't really care about fascism. We just want fish and chips, you know. And it just completely it's it's one picture where the juxtaposition of it just shows that you know what your message ain't welcome here. Just by these people sat there, just blatantly eating fish and chips. They weren't part of this demonstration. They were just sat there wanting their patty and chips. Which people from Hull will know what patty and chips is, um, and that. That picture in particular was of my moment of the week, and it's a photo that isn't mine. It was Jason Shipley's, uh, but it's well worth having a look at. Um, those of us who've done that know that it's not quite the jolly. It, it can be very intimidating and threatening and, and stressful, so thank you very much. It is. I mean, I a few years ago, I received... Uh, I was followed home by the far right and uh, received death threats. Yes. Uh, so it, it's you know it, it's something that my anxiety is sky high whenever I'm anywhere near them uh, for that. But the the, the the event was well organised, and everyone's safety and welfare was taken into consideration by the the organisers who made sure that everyone uh, got out and got home safely. Uh, much to their praise, it was very well organised. Thank you, and thank you for what you did. Um, who am I going to get next? Um, uh, sort of. Jane, let's get you. Moment of your week. So this, my moment of the week, I feel mean saying this, but it's how I really feel. My moment of the week was Fiona Bruce stepping down as an ambassador for refuge. And the reason why she did it should have been my moment of the week last week, because on the BBC Question Time show, and she was very probably directed by producer, and these probably weren't her choice of words, that in defence of Stanley Johnson's wife, ex-wife's allegations um, that he had punched her um, and broken her nose, that it was over and off. And I didn't have it as my moment of the last of the week last week, um, that incident, because I was so very angry that I couldn't speak about it in a way that I thought was acceptable to speak about it in public. But I've worked through the anger of that now, and I'm glad that she has stepped down as an ambassador for Refuge. I was really disappointed by the response of both Refuge and the BBC in their statements around that incident. And I think it's the right thing to do that she no longer represents that charity. Thank you very much indeed. Presumably you, you, you don't support him getting a knighthood either then. <laughs> it's the more you find out about... Um, Mr. Johnson, 
the more outraged I feel that he could possibly be considered for knighthood. I really don't feel he should get one. As a school teacher, we often used to find that if you were worried about a child's behaviour, all you needed to do was to meet the parents. I think this is one of those situations, isn't it? Thank you, Jane. Very disappointing and sad, really. Um, Paul, moment of your week. Now, I know you've got two, so you can share them, but you've not got long. I was only going to do one, to be honest. Like, I've got loads that I could do, but... Um... But I'm just going to go for um, the Andrea Gilbert one, which has been uh, popping up in the chat quite a lot. Andrea is a friend of ours. Um, I met her at the World Transform this year. Absolutely lovely person. Worked for homeless charities, was selected as a Labour Party candidate until she was um, expelled from the Labour Party, which you know fits in with what we're talking about in the middle, for... Um, for doing an article in a, a newspaper or a magazine that was associated with a group that was not prescribed at the time by the Labour Party but was subsequently later on prescribed and because she'd had an article printed in there she was uh, expelled from the Labour Party um, even though she had been selected as a council candidate and, um, you know, it's just that classic Keir Starmer thing. You know, if you're left wing, we'll get rid of you, especially if you're black. Um, so, yeah, um, Andrea is now facing um, real financial hardship. And there's been a crowd, a GoFundMe crowd funder put up for her, which has already hit its initial target, which is really, really good. Lovely to see the solidarity, but she deserves it. And, um, you know, she's done this kind of work for other people in the past. And it's... A, a, a terrible horrible irony that uh she's facing this situation at the minute so solidarity to andrea so she'll be probably like a little bit embarrassed for me to go on like this but she's absolutely just a lovely lovely person and um she deserves all our solidarity if you're listening andrea god bless you we're on the outside um, we love you, andrea. The, the other thing i will um point out is that you know, these things that people do unfairly to you. I was contacted um, uh, on Facebook today by somebody telling a completely different story about a completely different situation, but an an unfair and um, unjustified accusation followed by repercussions, which just destroyed his life. And uh, sort of, And now there's no justice, there's no going back, there's no justice against the perpetrators. And uh, sort of, uh, you, you just think uh, that person's life was ruined by that unfair situation. And um, uh, so, Andrew, we're in sort of uh, solidarity. God bless you. Um, let's move on. Now it's time for the big story. I promised you this last week, didn't I, that the big story was going to be the, the budget. And um, uh, let's start with Neil. Um, the budget, uh, we all said what we wanted to be in it. Nothing of what we wanted to be in it was in it. <laughs> but let's talk about the budget we got, not the budget we wanted. Um, Jeremy Hunt said it was a budget for work. Um, Rachel Reeve says um, that people and businesses had been put at the bottom of the pile. Which of them was right, Neil? 
Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> uh, Wood and Rachel Reeves uh, saying that business at the bottom of the pile. I fail to see how uh, business at the bottom of the pile. I think workers are at the bottom of the pile, and the more vulnerable worker you are, the more bottom you, the more bottom you are. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go through what everything that's in the budget. I think there's plenty out there. I'm going to pick three things that are in the budget. Then actually, it's more important about what isn't in the budget. Uh, so the, the the top three things for me that I think were in the budget. Uh, that really explain what the budget is. Um, first of all, one thing that one thing that a lot of people are calling for is an increase in uh, corporation tax, which is going back up to twenty five percent. However, there's going to be a new policy called full capital expensing, uh, which will be over the next three years. And basically, what that is is for every pound that a, a company that pays uh, corporation tax invests in IT equipment or plant machinery, it can be, deducted, it can be deducted immediately from their profits. In other words, that for the biggest companies, uh, which will probably be investing in that anyway, uh, basically that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be offset. Now that that's the important thing for business now in terms of for the poorest workers. Stop, Neil. So the, is that not a good thing? That is that not going to encourage investment? But good businesses invest anyway, don't they? Yeah, but I mean, is this not going to encourage sort of basically if they can write it off against tax, it puts more money in their pockets to spend on the investment? Mm, I, I'm not sure. I mean, we've got the lowest uh, corporation tax in the world anyway, and there's no evidence that lower corporation tax leads to more uh, to more investment. I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure what the I, I can't answer that honestly. If I'm honest with you, um, I don't know. Uh, another thing that was announced was that the so as part of the budget, it's going to be um, uh, so uh, people on uh, universal credit are going to be. Uh, sanctioned under a uh, harsher regime because, of course, they, they need that encouragement. You see, big businesses and wealthy people are getting tax breaks. The poor are getting punishments. Uh, um, and let's not forget, 60% of people on universal credits are in work anyway. You know, uh, but of Neil, course... I always think that, that, that that's exactly the opposite. Sort of, If you've got so much money, you don't know what to do with it. Giving you more money... It's not really be an incentive to work harder or do better. You've you've already got enough. So in the sort of, I was going. I'm going to ask you about the pensions tax breaking into one. But sort of, I mean, you know, giving people who are going to have a huge pension the opportunity to have a huge pension isn't going to stop them retiring early. Um, well, it's not about people on your people who people who are poor. Giving them the opportunity to earn a bit more money and get out of their poverty that's going to be a huge incentive. And I, I, I agree so. with you. I've never managed to understand this thing that we sanction the poor and we, we give more money to the rich. Um, I think it's a trick. Well, well, what it's going to do as well is, um, so those that are not fully employed, uh, is what the government says, are going to have more intensive uh, uh, work coach support. Exactly what the support is, I'm not quite sure. When it comes to the threat of sanction, I'm not sure how much support that really is. But of course, through that, there's many people on universal credit who are carers, unpaid carers, for example, uh, that have been completely ignored in all of this. And not only that as well, but also through that, they're going to be putting, uh, forcing more disabled people back into work, which, you know, I that, that really alarms me um, because, you know, a lot of workplaces are not set up for disabled people. We have a really bad way in society of treating 
people with disabilities. So forcing them back into the workplace when it might not be a good thing for them nor the employer isn't a particularly good thing. You know, and I'm not speaking on behalf of disabled people here, but the likes of disabled people against the cuts have been very uh, outspoken about this idea and how it is actually very, very regressive policy. Um, and, and I'm in full solidarity with them. And the, the the big the big thing out of the hat that was pulled out was um, uh, the the government. Well, there's two big things. One was the childcare offer, uh, which isn't going to be implemented until next September. And I'll come on to why I think that is in a minute. Um, where the tax breaks are from next month, but this childcare offer isn't until next year. Uh, well, a year and a half away actually. But the um, so any child over the age of nine months will. Entitled to uh to thirty hours of free childcare, um, but of course, it doesn't come with the money that's needed to fund that. Even if it was coming in this year, it wouldn't have the money needed to fund it. So by the time we come to next year, it's going to be even worse. But I think the reason why it was announced that it's going to happen next year is because next May is likely to be a general election. So it's a it's a little carrot to dangle over voters. And, and that's the bit that I think everybody's missed in that announcement, is that it's after the general election. It's not it, it, they could input, they could put it in this year, and then use it next year and say, look, we introduced this. How well is it going? Vote for us. But no, it's after the election, so they can put it in the manifesto and say we've promised it. Oh, you know, you, if you vote for Labour, you won't get it. You know, even though Labour in the last general election had a uh, universal health care, a uh, universal. Uh, uh, education uh, system which would have been uh, far better so uh, but I think it's important to look at what wasn't announced in the budget as well you know there was nothing for the NHS nothing for social care nothing for local governments there was nothing for the education system nothing for workers uh, so nothing uh, nothing to settle the pay disputes that are currently underway there was nothing for our public services whatsoever uh, within that budget. In fact, the NHS wasn't mentioned at all in that budget statement by uh, Jeremy Hunt. <coughs> Hunt. Um, it, it wasn't announced. Nothing was announced by him at all. Um, so basically, it, it's a typical Tory budget. We're giving money to the rich and we're taking it from the poor. And what this really, what this budget is about is about punishing the poor for that mini-budget by quasi Quartang from last year. That's what this budget is really about. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. That's, um, I'm going to finish on there because it's a, going to be a brilliant soundbite for the, the clips that we show. Um, Paul, um, just picking up on, on, on what Neil was saying there, I mean, um, it was in the newspaper um, that this was, um, Jeremy Hunt called it a budget for work, um, but other people have been ca calling it the pay more, get less budget. I mean, uh, do you agree with Neil that basically it was a pension to take money away from the poor and to give it to the rich? I think it was an, an economically illiterate budget um, based upon the long running notion that we've got that we're somehow like a household, which is completely preposterous. You know, we're not anything like a household. We're a nation. You print your own money. Like, you know, if you could print print your own money to pay your own bills in a household, then, yeah, the analogy would would be fine. But it's not like that at all. Um, they're talking about like balancing the tax, but basically what we need to think of is when they're increasing taxes on on ordinary work workers like they are, the tax burden's incredibly high at the moment. 
and then but then you're also like they have increased corporation tax which is kind of okay um but that's probably only going to affect people uh, the kind of corporations people who pay corporation tax that don't have as much money because there are so many tax loopholes to get out of it basically what they're doing is they're saying there's too much money there there's too much money in your pocket so i'm going to tax you more there's too much money in business so i'm going to tax you more what we really should be doing is looking if we if we're looking to redistribute wealth we need to be looking at actually taxing wealth if people have got too much sitting around in bank accounts or in land or whatever tax that because that is the only way that their household analogy makes any sense because they go on on a tax and spend model as if you have to tax before you can spend if that were true they'd be going after wealth because they'd be going after money that was already there not taxing income income doesn't exist yet does it you know future income doesn't exist yet but wealth does so if you're going to tax and then spend the only logical way to do that would be to tax wealth and then to spend that money now we know it's not tax and spend we know that's not the correct analogy but their own internal logic doesn't even work here so as, as i say it's a it's an economically illiterate budget i think they believe in the economic illiteracy that they espouse i think they truly don't understand what is going on with budgets at all which is why we're in such a mess and have progressively with a number of governments been in this similar kind of mess thank you very much indeed um so you agree with Rachel Reeves that they've got their priorities wrong. I love it. I love taunting Paul because he, he, he hates the, this Labour shadow cabinet. So, but, so, so I try and get him to agree with one of them. You would agree with Rachel Reeves on that, wouldn't you? I probably agree for different reasons. So like uh, the, so yeah, um, they have got the priorities wrong. The problem with Rachel Reeves and and the people who believe in what she believes and she actually believes in the establishment she believes these economic illiteracies as well she espouses them she talks about them all the time the problem the difference is she thinks that she by being moderately working class um, and getting to university she should have the keys to the kingdom so what they're against what the labor cabinet are against are the posh so they think posh people shouldn't control the world. they don't think there's anything wrong with the system they think the problem is the people who are in charge of the system, whereas we tend to think, well, there's a problem with the poshals being in charge of everything, and there's a problem with the system. And that's where, like, I would say the, the Labour right and the Labour left have a huge disagreement. Like, we want systemic change, not that I'm in the Labour left anymore, like, you know, the left in general, and I don't know how many of the Labour left are in Labour anymore. Um, how many of the left? But, <laughs> But, you know, um, they, they, they just want the status quo. They just want to be in charge of the awful status quo. We want rid of the, the status quo. Thank you. And there's another wonderful soundbite. Um, the sort of Laura, um, who edits these things, a sort of a really good definition of what we're about. Um, I, we're having some lovely comments on, on, on this, uh, uh, this stream. Um, uh, Jacqueline Hemmings, we must have you on the show, Jacqueline. You sort of you come up with so many bon mots. Sort of she she says, um, uh, what's the point in having more investment if normal workers never seem to get the benefit of it? 
And that's just exactly what I think, Jacqueline. You've hit the nail. What's the what's the point of these companies doing well if if these things don't end up in in us doing well as well? Um, uh, Jacqueline Hemmings also comments: Isn't there a worry that employers will be more likely to employ those with more visible disabilities just for the optics? That's always been the case. And uh, the sort of invisibility, invisible disabilities is a big issue. Uh, Neil Fairburn, God bless you, Neil. I love this comment as well. Um, sort of uh, Tories hate that there are 9 million people economically inactive. They are desperate to get people back into work. Spot on. How dare you not be working so we can get rich? That's that's the, the, the what lies behind this. this um, but it's all together. Fantastic, Neil. Um, uh, control data, control data. Um, yes, the modern monetary theory analysis is the way to look at this. Increasingly, people are talking about modern monetary theory, and it's worth um, going into. Um, sort of, we might have a, a topic on that sometime. It's it's important. We've we've done um, one. We've done one on socialist um, on socialist night live with the modern monetary theory podcast, which is really good. So. Um, perhaps if somebody's listening, they can put the the link to that onto the the stream. That would be good. Um, uh, control data. Reeves' fiscal rules are a way to deny progressive policies. That's an interesting comment as well. Uh, can you unpack that for us a bit, control data? And um, I think uh, I know what they mean. Sorry? I think they know what they mean. Like Labour have put these fiscal controls and saying, they're basically saying, oh, we won't pay for anything other than infrastructure. So like, let's say a teacher's wages can't be paid with a deficit. So it's that it, it's buying into that economic illiteracy. John McDonnell did it as well, which is economically illiterate. It was like, well, we might spend some money, we might invest some money, but only if it's going to give us a return. But like again, it's 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 buying into that. Oh yeah, well you know, if if you're going to get more money back, we'll stick that on the credit card. But that's not how budgets work, you know. Like you can just put more money in to incentivize work. That's that's something that you can do if they put more money into the likes of teachers, into the likes of nurses, if they had more money, they'll spend it locally in their local economy. But Labour want to appear fiscally credible, so they'll buy into this narrative of a complete nonsense with regards to economics and economic literacy in order to appeal to Tory voters who believe in the nonsense. So it's like, you know, it's like going on about the tooth fairy, like, yes, yes, the tooth fairy will pay £1.50 under Labour or something like that. It's just nonsense. It's just a very silly thing that they feel that they need to do because some people believe in a tooth fairy. Thank you. Um, just very briefly, Neil, sort of raise yourself up a bit. Jacqueline wants to see your T-shirt, Headscarf Pride. Tell me about Headscarf Pride briefly. Yeah, it's uh, four women uh, from Hull in the 19, in late 1960s, 1968, uh, who campaigned for trawler safety uh, in Hull following the triple trawler disaster, uh, which lost 68 men in uh, space of three weeks. Um, they started a petition and within, I think it was a month, uh, they got uh, a meeting with the government and changed the laws, uh, to, which then went on, no doubt, saved thousands of lives. 
Look on their web, look on their Facebook page, plenty of information. They're currently, uh, Headscarf Pride are uh, uh, fundraising for a statue of the four women led by Lillian Balocca. Um, Thank you. A true working class hero. Lovely. Um, <laughs> trying to push things on. Um, Jane, um, last thing. Was there anything good in this in this budget? Was there anything? Because sort of, you know, you just, sometimes you got to be reasonable. Was there anything that you, you you looked at and you thought, actually, that's not so bad. I'm glad he's done that. There's some bits that weren't good enough, but they were more than I had expected. So, um, I hate the word benefits. I don't think benefits should be called benefits. That's not what they are. Um, we'll be increasing by ten point one percent in April. Um, which isn't enough, but it's better than I had expected from this government. And there's, I think, a tiny little amount, 33 million, I think, for housing for veterans, which is good, but completely ignores the huge housing crisis that we have in this country. Nothing for insulated housing. So the tiny little scraps of goodness in there, like the awfulness and um, obviously the pensions, um, the fact that they've tried to pass this off as some sort of attempt to bring people back into the National Health Service, which is ridiculous, um, abolishing the lifetime allowance of one over a million pounds you can put into a pension tax if people are retiring because they can only save a million pounds tax-free into their pension. You know, if you've got a million pounds in your pension pot, you probably don't need to worry about working. Um, so, and the annual allowance increase, um, allowing people to put... Um, I think 60,000 um, instead of 40,000 into their pension tax free. Again, if you can afford to put that much money into your pension, um, you're probably not one of the workers anyway, um, I would say, who's on the ground nursing people. Energy in price guarantee, Jane, energy price guarantee main oh. continued. Yes, well, sold is a good thing, but the reality is that everyone's bills will go up by £67 a month from, from next month, and that already we're facing doubled bills in compared to April 2021, two years ago, with the prospects of them going up even further summer possibly is absolutely outrageous that they can try and sell this off as some sort of success story it's horrendous paying four times as much as a lot of other countries in europe it's just completely unjustifiable sorry neil it doesn't fix anything structural about our energy markets and how we're we're at, we're at the mercy of the markets I've I've been going mad on Facebook today about the way that electricity prices are fixed. It's it's a fix. Um, it's not a cartel, but it's it might as well be. Um, one last thing, Jane, before I move on. Um, scrapping the work capability assessment, good or bad? Hopefully a good thing, but um, very well-respected charities like um, the Joseph Foundry Foundation have already come out and voiced their concerns about the potential impact of this um, and the worries about people being forced back into work or left in destitution as a result of this being implemented badly and going on this government's track record. I share their concerns. Thank you. Um, just as a comment before I move on to the, the next section of the show, everybody. Don't you find out some stuff from this programme? Aren't these people clever? Don't they know some stuff? They always come out with stuff and I think, I didn't know that. Um, they speak with authority, not as the scribes. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Paul, um, let's see what we've got.
this goes back and it's just so annoying. Um, and I'm just going to give Paul an opportunity to rant. Um, Ford's been in the news this week. Um, he's ranting. He's going mad about it. Paul, tell us all about it. And and I want to know why has he spoken out in this way? Okay, so um, we've had um, a long time to look at this, a long time to think about this. Basically, everyone knows about everything that's happened in the Labour Party over the last few years. There's been um, some allegations of anti-Semitism um, and, and other things, and, and there were accusations that the Labour Party staff were working against the Labour Party victory in 2017 and 2019. Um, so the people who had the, you know, whilst Jeremy Corbyn was leader, there were people who were working against the Labour victory from within. And uh, this resulted in a leaked report um, that detailed all of these things. There were a lot of WhatsApp messages where there was a lot of um, racism from the members of staff on the Labour Party. So these would be the people who would be loyal to Keir Starmer now, um, saying like absolutely dreadful things about the likes of Diane Abbott or um, or Don Butler. Um, and this leaked report came out um, kind of in response to the the ER, EHRC, that's right, isn't it? EHRC, um, report into the Labour Party, which said that the Labour Party had um two had broken the law on two occasions where i think the two occasions were when individuals were seen as being agents of the party so two people who'd acted on their own had acted apparently on behalf of the labor party despite the fact they were acting in a personal capacity so the labor party did break the law on anti-semitism on two occasions, it was individuals, but the whole party was held responsible under Jeremy Corbyn. So anyway, this they, we had these two conflicting reports where we have um, the Labour Party on one one side being like people saying that under Jeremy Corbyn it became a hive of anti-Semitism, and on the other side, people saying actually it's not like that. Um, the the complaint system's been undermined by people who are working for the Labour Party. And, um, you know, and those people who are working for the Labour Party are trying to make sure that the Labour Party lose. And they are also, some of them, like, very racist and saying horrible things about MPs and things like that. So, anyway, Keir Starmer wanted to put this issue to bed, so he hired um, someone who he respected, uh, Martin Ford. At the time, he was a K uh, QC, and he's now a KC, obviously, because there's now a king rather than a queen to do a report into what had happened during that time. And many people on the left thought that it would be a bit of a whitewash, but it wasn't. Turned out that there were, like, whilst Martin Ford said that there was factionalism that was dictating everything, the right of the Labour Party did not look very good at all. He did describe some things that looked like there could be a hierarchy of racism, where some forms of racism were treated as more important than others, um, rather than all forms of racism being treated equally. Now, this has been met in all sorts of different ways. Now, what this isn't saying is that anti-Semitism isn't important. What it was saying is, whilst this anti-Semitism crisis was going on, every other form of racism was apparently being ignored by the Labour Party. 
And then they looked into what people said and, and, you know, it did not look very good for the staff of the Labour Party. And it looked like, okay, right, there might be some sort of balanced thing coming out of this. It does kind of both sides claimed it as a vindication almost like there was there was something in it for both. And then because of that, it appears Keir Starmer has entirely ignored it to the point now where Martin Ford's had to come out this week and go on Al Jazeera and say, I really don't know why I'm being ignored here. I don't know why I was commissioned to do this report, but then I never went to the Labour's National Executive Committee. I never, I, I never like, Labour aren't um, implementing any of the recommendations that I'm doing. Meanwhile, you've got the AHRC saying that Labour have now passed out of this phase of being anti-Semitic and everything's fine and everything's great, despite the fact that people who, who make those decisions on the AHRC have very, very questionable um, equality issues, backgrounds. You know, like some of them have been accused of things themselves um, and there are, there are complaints about what the AHRC is itself. So there's this whole mess of, of factionalism Martin Ford has said, like, you know, this needs to end um, and it isn't ending. It's been ramped up and Keir Starmer seems to want to get rid of anyone who's ever had a left wing idea or a left wing thought in their life from the Labour Party um, in order that his faction rules the Labour Party is king of the ashes, does nothing with the party other than retain the status quo. So if you before, before I move on, Paul, I mean, has has he wasted his breath? Has he basically just set himself up for a bruising? Um, or, or do you think there'll be any effect on what he's done? And Martin Ford. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I think he's done everything. I think he's acted in good faith, and I think he's. I think yeah. the problem is here that Keir Starmer never does. Keir no, Starmer is not a good faith actor. Like, if you look at Keir Starmer's track record, it is pretty appalling in everything that he's ever done. As leader of the Labour Party, he has just kind of brushed this under the carpet and pretended that he's solved everything, when really he's, he's just created a factional war. He's brought back people like Peter Mandelson, who's incredibly uh, unpopular within the Labour Party and outside of it. He was close to Jeffrey Epstein. You know, he's brought these people into the Labour Party. Um, you know, it's the 20th anniversary of the Iraq War, which could have been any of our moments of the week, which we probably should have mentioned, uh, where, like, you know, arguably people, Blair, Brown, you know, those people, Alistair Campbell should have been in The Hague. Um, but this week, you know, you're seeing Alistair Campbell rehabilitated. Oh, yes, I was great and stuff like that after he, he sexed up dossier and so on, allegedly. Um, so, yeah, he has been wasting his time. But look at Starman's track record, even when he was director of public prosecutions. Look at Ian Tomlinson, who was unlawfully killed by the police. And he chose not to do anything about that. Like, that's the, that's the kind of guy he is. John Charles Domena says, nothing happened. But what did happen? Talk about the Iraq war. Who's in prison on Starmer's watch? Assange. Julian Assange. That's the kind of person that Keir Starmer is. He's talking this week about the Met and all the problems that are in the Met. Again, this could have been a huge story that we talked about this week, but there are just so many going on. The Met's been found to be institutionally racist. And he's like, oh, under Labour, it'll be all different. When this all happened, when Sarah Everard was murdered and the police came out and attacked the people who were protesting against it, 
um, what he defended Starmer defended Cressida Dick, said she's absolutely brilliant. You know, like thank you. The, I'm going to end it. Uh, I so just want I, to mention one more person as well, Gary McKinnon. Gary McKinnon as well. Look into Starmer's record on Gary McKinnon. I'll just correct you on one thing. It wasn't a protest. It was a vigil. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, please. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, happy to just, be corrected. We'll correct the record on that one. Yeah, just completely wrong. Um, and, and, and I totally agree with everything you say. I'd like to come back, though, to the Ford report and, and sort of... Now, when the, Jane, when when they were sort of responding to what Ford had said, which was really a damning criticism of the Labour leadership, the Labour leadership says that Starmer is, quote, ridding the party of the destructive factionalism and unacceptable culture that did so much damage previously. Comment. It's very 1984, isn't it? It's a very disingenuous comment. It's the exact opposite happening. Um, I feel that the leadership of the Labour Party is driving the most terrible, nasty, dishonest factionalism, driving people out of the party for no apparent reason of a, as Paul said, that they lean slightly towards the left. Um, they don't pose any threat to the party or the leadership. Um, when We all know that when Jeremy Corbyn um, took on the leadership of the party, he put together a, a cabinet of people from across different sections of the party, overwhelmingly actually not of the left. He wanted to work with other people. And that's my experience of being on the left of the Labour Party, um, that we all just wanted a Labour government. And I don't understand where the absolute, it feels, hatred towards people who wanted to try so hard to work together to achieve something good has come from. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Cow Daily, um, it's all one big club and we aren't invited. Spot on. Um, Neil, just briefly, because I do want to move on to, to our last question at, at quarter two. Um, momentum have recently been published in Labour List, which is going to get itself prescribed if it's not careful. It's turned very lefty at the moment. But sort of um, the momentum, they they go absolutely apeshit about what Starmer is doing. They're very critical of Starmer, but they say they're going to stay in the party. Um, what the anti-democratic clique at the top of the party wants garner our values, public ownership, class politics and migrant justice. But we will not allow ourselves to be driven out of Britain's public sphere. Instead, we're getting organised at the grassroots. Have Momentum got it right? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, I'm not I'm not a particular fan of Momentum. Uh, I'll put that on record. Uh, but I do think they've got the, this one right. Um, I'd far rather be forced out of the party rather than voluntarily leave. Uh, even though I did voluntarily leave the Labour Party. Um, but that was because of uh, local politics, not because of what was happening nationally. Uh, but I, th I think they're right. I think, you know, uh, what are Labour standing for at the moment? They're standing for the exact same things as the Tories are. They're fighting for the exact same voters. They're fighting to prop up the same broken system. Whereas in 2019, under Jeremy Corbyn, we were looking to change that. We were wanting a different system. We didn't just want a different government. We wanted a different system. And that's what scared them so much. And that was why they came up with everything that they could in order to bring uh, Corbyn and his supporters down. 
um, so that we'd end up with this watered down version. I mean, uh, question time last uh, last week. Um, the the Westminster leader of uh, of the SNP called Keir Starmer uh, David Cameron in a red tie. I think that's exactly what we've got, and so I, I actually respect momentum for uh, for saying that we're not going to be driven out. We're going to try and we are going to try and uh, make a change. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll achieve it. I think I agree with you. I think they will end up being prescribed, um, but. Um, you might as well stick. You might as well keep your hand in there uh, for the moment and see what happens. Let the buggers win. I knew he'd want to come back, Paul. But very quickly, a last comment. Uh, yeah, just there's there's a there's a really important comment in the chat. Um, Janet Silver, she says, I think um, Ford has changed his stance somewhat since he watched the Labour files. As a left wing Jew, I appreciate what he's saying that Jews are not homogenous and all voices should be heard, which of course won't happen. Now, I think that the people who have been treated really incredibly badly throughout this anti-Semitism crisis and the people who have been treated with utter appalling anti-Semitism are left-wing Jews. They're the ones who've had their voices silenced. The people without power who are Jewish people who are on the left are expected to be a certain way and have been told so. I just wanted to promote Janet's voice there because I think they're the voices that deserve to be promoted They've been utterly stifled by the anti-Semitism of Starmer's Labour Party. Really, really bad. Absolutely stuff. agree. Absolutely spot on. They, and and, and any time any, any left-wing Jew wants to use socialist think tank as a platform for themselves, please do. You can have it. <laughs> you know, do whatever you want with it. So please do. Yes. Um, uh, a form of racism. Thank you so much for pointing that out. Um uh, Jacqueline Hemmings, surely any MP on the left who isn't in the SCG has got to be feeling very uncomfortable about what's happening. And, and uh, we all are. It's whether we leave or not, which is the issue. Um, last question of all. Um, meeting this week between meetings this week between Putin and Xi, Xi Jinping. Um, uh, Jane, let's start with the positive. Do you think that this is there's a chance of of peak? I mean, Chinese China went there saying they that, that that they were going to try and do something to promote peace. They had their they published their twelve principles, which were damn good, quite frankly. We would agree as socialists with a lot of what they were saying. Do you think that that meeting will bring peace? I'm not sure that it will bring peace, but I think it will potentially do less damage than the belligerent manner of some of the Western countries. And I don't mean that in an insulting way to Ukraine in any way. This is absolutely, a, you know, a war of aggression. Russia has got, come onto Ukrainian territory and committed terrific acts um, against Ukrainian people. However, I think... We need to look at a peaceful solution to this to stop more Ukrainian people dying. Um, and some of the talk from some of the Western leaders, including ministers within our own governments, I think some of the things that Liz Truss said when she was in the cabinet, um, you know, riled some very worrying comments. And in the end, this isn't this this country, um, Russia, has um, nuclear weapons that can be deployed 
if Putin chooses to do that or if his government chooses to do that. And I thought that, that China made a very fair point when they said that the International Criminal Court needs to avoid politicisation and double standards in this situation. And I think it's very difficult when you're on the left because I think for most of us on the left or a lot of us on the left, when someone asks, what do you think about this arrest warrant for Putin? It's very difficult to respond to what you think about the arrest warrant for Putin without bringing into the um, equation what you think about the fact that there isn't an arrest warrant for certain other Western leaders and that there hasn't been. Um, Trump's administration imposed sanctions on the International Criminal Court investigators for looking into crimes against humanity committed by American forces in Afghanistan and at CIA interrogation facilities abroad. Um, the United States is, as you know, known, many respected charities have published the fact that America is using drones in territories that aren't their own to kill people, um, trial, um, you know, mistaken identity to just summarily kill someone with a drone. And if Putin was doing something like that, we'd all want him on, we'd all want the Hague for it, but neither America nor the jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court. And in fact, neither does the Ukraine, which is the reason why, um, why Putin can't be prosecuted for crimes of aggression in the Ukraine. Um, although he has now been brought, um, they had these charges brought against him um, for ordering the illegal deportation of children from the occupied territories. So if this is a really complex subject. Obviously, the fact that what Putin's doing and what his government is doing is very wrong isn't complicated at all. And yes, that this should be recognised and there should be accountability for this. But what's deeply concerning is that there is there are not accountability for a huge amount of other war of crimes against humanity that are being committed by other leaders who are standing up and you know claiming to be whiter than white um, against the bad things that Putin are doing. Assange, as Paul said, is sitting in jail, dying a slow death effectively by the American government um, and Guantanamo Bay is still open and I think less than 10 of the people in there actually know what they've been charged with. There are people who've been in there for decades being tortured who were picked up on, on a case of mistaken identity and even though the American authorities realised that still kept them in that camp for decades and tortured them. So I'm very confused as to why there's not international outrage and an arrest warrant regarding those crimes. Yes, um, well said. Um, I was in, just following on what you said, because you moved on to it. I was going to ask you to comment on it, but um, I, I thought it was relevant. The Chinese promised to defend the UN-centric international system, stand guard over the world based on international law. And uh, that's not the picture that, that, that the West is trying to portray of, of, of what is going on. Um, that and I was very interested as well that the Ukraine welcomed the Chinese um, principles for peace. Um, it was their allies, the EU and the the US, who um, sort of uh, found fault with them, criticised them. Very very interesting response. Um, Neil, um, do we need to fear? I was asked Jane whether we need to welcome the, the, the involvement of China. Um, the, the other question is, do we need to fear a Russia-China alliance? That was the, the, the basically <laughs> the theme of the, the BBC News yesterday. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, we, we really do. I mean, we, we, we need to fear China, you know, because because uh, they actually have a, a system that is different to ours, uh, where 
um, you know, where they're lifting people out of poverty rather than impoverishing them in order to create more profit. You know, the, uh, no one ever talks about the huge amount of uh, American bases that circle China, and yet somehow it's um, it's China that's pos uh, that's positioned as a threat towards us rather than it being uh, us as a threat to them. I mean, I I, I love this whole thing of oh, China anti-Western, you know, so therefore they're a threat to us, as though the Western capitalist system is the best system ever. And, you know, anyone who doesn't agree with it is weird. You know, it's like, it, I, I just find it really hilarious when uh, when we get this kind of thing through BBC and Channel 4. Um, I, I think the reality is when, when, when we have a system where, you know, uh, prime ministers are, are questioned on whether or not the DAPET pressed the button to not launch a nuclear weapon. And the answer that's expected is, yes, absolutely, I would. But yet people like, for example, Jeremy Corbyn, who would say, well, actually, no, I'm not sure I would. It depend on the circumstances. I'd want to consider it first of all. And, you know, because there's a lot of devastation that would cause a result. It's like, are you mad? Why, why would you think about it? So, you know, I really don't trust our media to be the judge and jury of whether whether it's right or wrong. I mean, uh, to back up what Jane said, I mean, last week on uh, uh, Newsnight, that they, they had the whole thing about... The International Criminal Court in in The Hague uh, issued an arrest warrant against uh, Vladimir Putin, even though they don't have the jurisdiction to actually go and uh, implement it unless he steps into one of the countries which accept the International Criminal Court. So I think it's I think it's a little bit of um, I think it's a little bit of um, uh, stage management. I think uh, I, I agree that. Um, I agree he needs to build accountable for things done wrong. I, I completely agree with that. But it's, it seems to be a little bit theatrics to me. Uh, and then also on a news night last week, a minute or so after that after that piece, the talks about the Iraq war, uh, which is, of course, 20 years uh, ago last night that they, they invaded Iraq. And yet I don't see Tony Blair uh, facing the uh, War Crimes Tribunal, even though, you know, you know drop white phosphorus on uh, Fallujah, for example. Uh, you know, using chemical weapons is a war crime, but yet, you know, no one's faced accountability for that. So I think, I think this whole anti-Western thing, I think, is bollocks. I think the the reality is is that, you know, we have a system where, you know, as as what Jane said is, you know, we are we are hypocritical in how we look at uh, other countries that aren't the same as us. To quote what they say, you know. Thank you. Um, so, yeah. so, the, uh, the, so my second question to you, Neil, therefore, is. Is the involvement in China a good thing for uh, Ukraine, or uh, does Ukraine need to to worry about that? Well, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, um, I, I, my initial thought would be that Ukraine will say no, it's not, because you know anyone that's willing to go and shake hands with uh, with uh, Putin is uh, certainly a dangerous person, but. I think anyone that's willing to just sign over billions of pounds of weapons without any controls put in place whatsoever is also a dangerous person, which is exactly what he keeps wanting uh, to happen. So I, I I think anyone involved in this, to be honest with you, and, and on any side, I think it, there is no good side in a war. Whoever you, you know, if you, unless you are directly uh, calling for peace, you're part of the problem as far as I'm concerned. And I've not, you know, uh, there are reports that apparently Xi Jinping 
has called for peace. I've not I've not seen those reports, but apparently uh, apparently has, um, but certainly not been uh, top of the news. But when our news is trying to say that uh, Xi Jinping uh, is a threat, along with Putin, is a threat to us. Are they really going to put that top of the news? I'm not sure they are. But having said that, I've not looked for these reports either. I'll put that on record. Yeah. I mean, sort of, the, there is a worry that um, what Putin wants is um, he wants China to supply weaponry. Um, sort of, that, and that, that's the danger. Um, well, so, they need to keep the military industrial complex alive, don't they? Uh, it doesn't matter which side they go to, it's the military industrial complex, one way or the other. Um, it's sort of, it's basically um, a typical of a small country or a weaker country caught up in uh, an international parallel between east and west. Um, finally, uh, Paul, um, the American reaction, of course, is is one of fury. Um, sort of uh, that they, they're accusing the Chinese of providing diplomatic cover for Putin's. Uh, Trust is that the valid that Xi Jinping has been validating a war criminal. I mean, have you any comment on that? It's a bit rich, isn't it? Um, given given their presidents, their former presidents doing war crimes. Given the fact that Obama murdered more people with drones than anyone in history. Given that. Uh, George W. Bush invaded Iraq and Afghanistan uh, under false pretenses. You know these these are these are things that you know if you're gonna go around accusing people of these things, then maybe you should look close at the home to start off with, because maybe in this conflict, maybe there aren't any good guys because we're very very simplistic. We look at things like well we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. Maybe maybe there just aren't any good guys involved with this. Um, Great Britain this morning, so I'm going to talk about uh, like our involvement in this and the danger that our government are putting us in. So we're talking about the uh, Xi and um, and Putin. They earlier had a press conference where Putin referenced um, the UK supplying the U uh, supplying Ukraine with depleted uranium rounds. Depleted uranium rounds. Now that is a huge thing. They like. Uh, Putin said he's going to have to take some action. So we we are supplying Ukraine's army with um, something that's related to nuclear. Like, I know depleted uranium isn't exactly a nuclear bomb, but it's not exactly something really nice either. It's not like spreading some sort of aid or anything like that. These are really, really hardcore things that have allegedly, well, supposedly, according to Iraq's government, caused birth defects for years and years and years after the Iraq conflict where the USA used depleted uranium rounds in there. The UK have escalated this by supplying those things. If you're going around supplying new, new, um, radioactive materials, whether or not that's for like their radioactiveness or whether it's because of the density, because they're better at destroying tanks or whatever, they've escalated this. And what if Putin really is this evil madman that they keep on talking about? What are they thinking? What are they thinking? Oh, yeah, we're going to start going using nuclear material against you. OK, then I've got nuclear material, too. Maybe Putin will say that this is insanity. We need to take a massive step back. We need to think about what's going on. 
and peace needs to be on the agenda every single time because literally like Neil's referenced it there maybe Jay's referenced it a little bit peace but barely anyone is talking about making a peaceful resolution to this maybe because there's so much money involved and maybe because everyone's been convinced that they're on the good side there is no good side let's sort it out let's make peace thank you and uh, to quote Jeremy Clarkson on that bombshell uh, we bring the, uh, the that genuinely is a bombshell, isn't it? We bring the the uh, program to a close. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you to my amazing guests who have been uh, they've been ten percent extra good today, haven't they? Admit it, admit it. Uh, thank you, Jane. Thank you, Neil, and thank you, Paul. Fantastic. Um, Paul, I'm going to hand over to you now to say goodbye and just uh, do do the, the 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 ad stuff at the end. I'm going to say goodbye to you all. God bless. Thanks very much. Okay, so the politicals that you were talking about, or the fifth guest as we often like to refer to them, thank you so much. You have been absolutely brilliant. There's been so much brilliant stuff coming through that chat today and that's helped the show, enhanced the show. So thank you to all of you. You're a massively important part of the show. Please spread the word, tell people to get involved because the more of you get involved, the more of you watch and listen to and read independent media, the better. Subscribe to all the people who are part of the Independent Media Association because we know we're being let down by the press. We know that our legacy media is letting us down and is telling us lies. We This is factually accurate. We've It's been proven. We cannot go on like this. So support those things. That story that I was talking about earlier on about the depleted uranium came from Declassified UK. Give them a subscribe. Cow Daily, who's in the chat, give them a subscribe. Look at all these new sources that are about because that's what it's, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be sharing our knowledge in our circles because no one else is going to do this for us. No one's coming to save us. There is not a billionaire that comes along who has our agenda. We are not funded. We need to support one another, whether that's financially, whether that's simply turning up and giving a like to everything that people do, purport, um, support this media and promote this media wherever you can um, and do whatever you can to make peace. Thank you for those of you who go on protests. Thank you for those of you who speak out against all these awful oppressions that are going on. You are good, solid people. You deserve to be happy. Thank you, everyone. Become a member of Socialist Think Tank at socialistthinktank.com and subscribe to all our stuff as well. It really is appreciated. Take care, everyone, and have a lovely, safe night. Keep the red flag flying here.